We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Uh, what's going on, Andrew? It is good to be back. It's another Friday edition of the podcast in the off-season, and we're excited about it. Yeah, it is great to be back, and honestly, I am incredibly relieved to be done with my initial draft film review, and like, of course, there's there's still players I will revisit as we progress through the offseason, but this allows me to finally look at some other experts' thoughts on prospects, kind of cross-reference some of the things that I saw on tape. I very rarely will go back and like change my grades, but there's certainly some things that I, I miss from time to time, right? And I, I was hoping we could carve out a few minutes for me to just debut my top of the list prospects. Obviously not including the athletic scores part of my formula yet, but um, I'm, I'm just looking at film grades, age, positional value. You mind if I, I uh, take a couple minutes to talk about that, Kyle? I always fully expect you to hide. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So th- this is regardless of regardless of position or um, you know side of the ball that they play on. This is just my top twelve players. It accounts for what their film grade is, how old they are, 
And then also, um, of course, there's a positional value value formula that I use too. So number one overall, no surprise, quarterback Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Number two, tackle Penny Sewell from Oregon. Number three, tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida. That might be a little bit of a surprise. Now here's the big shocker, Kyle. At number four overall, I have offensive tackle Jalen Mayfield from Michigan. There you go. That's wild. Then uh, at number five, I have quarterback Justin Fields from Ohio State. Six is cornerback Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. That's my very first defensive player. Uh, Number seven, wide receiver Jalen Waddell, Alabama. Number eight, wide receiver Jamar Chase, LSU. I will tell you they ended up with the same grade. Number nine is tackle Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. 10 is Edge Quiddy Pay from Michigan. There's that second defensive player. And then the third one right away, linebacker Micah Parsons from Penn State. And number 12 is interior offensive lineman Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. Very nice. I am sure that after all of the long hours of watching film, it feels good to reel off that list knowing that you feel confident about your evaluations and the numbers that you've put on these guys. Obviously still pending those athletic uh, numbers getting added into the equation and kinds of things. I'm curious just to throw this back to you really quickly because these are your top 12. You know, we don't want to reveal the whole uh, thing for everybody. You know, there's some suspense built in here. But of those 12, I just, I'm just i just looking at this to see, is there anyone who realistically might be on the board when the Packers pick or fall within range for the Packers to consider? I mean, we're talking about the best of the best here. Anybody going to be there that the Packers could, could swipe? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think, you know, I think Jalen Mayfield, the tackle from Michigan, there's there's a pretty solid chance that he will be in the 20s. Whether or not he slides 29 just kind of depends on what the preference is for for, um, most players. You know, so if you believe if you believe what a lot of the big sites and, and, you know, the big draft pundits are saying, I think Mayfield's probably more in, in the line of the 20s. I think there's also um, a decent chance that Quiddy Pay, the edge from Michigan, could slide a little bit. 29 seems really crazy. I think, you know, Oakland is, is oh my gosh, I said Oakland. Oh, Las Vegas. There you I'll go. do push-ups on the side. Nice, nice. Las, Las Vegas is, is is probably a really good target spot for him, but if they don't take him, he could, he could potentially slide a little bit. Elijah Vera Tucker, the interior offensive lineman from USC, I think he goes before the Packers pick, but... Um, you know, there's some questions with value in in that position. Um, you know, he's probably only a guard. I don't know. I don't think anybody else would would necessarily fall that far. Maybe Micah Parsons, if if those character questions sure. really are as serious as some people seem to be spouting. Yeah, I think that's fair. Those are the names that like jumped out to me. Um, you even gave a little bit more with with Quiddy Pay. I think I think with the lack of depth at the edge rusher position in this in this draft, I think he'll probably get gobbled up pretty early. But to me, it is those offensive linemen: Jalen Mayfield, Elijah Vera Tucker, and as you mentioned, I think I've seen a lot of people identify Jalen Mayfield as a preferred right tackle. Which, if you're the Green Bay Packers, you're great with that, and that may benefit them to get him to fall down the board just a little bit. Uh, same thing with. Vera Tucker being a guard, it's really, really hard to guess where someone's going to value him enough to swipe him up. But a very, very talented player uh, for sure, and I think should be coveted if he's there on the board at 29 for the Packers. But Andrew, you do incredible work, and it's amazing to me to just kind of observe your process. I'm curious, how many prospects in total did you watch through the process uh, this, this spring? 
All right, you ready for this? Tell me the number. It's a little embarrassing. Right now, I am at 271. 271. I knew you were going to get to 250, but as per the brand, you've gone above and beyond to 271. That is Let, incredible. Well, last year, <laughs> I stopped at 250. Or no, I, I stopped at 200. I'm okay, sorry. Okay. And I, I kind of felt like... I'm saying this guy is the 200th overall, but I have no idea what's behind them. Right, so right. I wanted to go a little bit deeper than than what I um, had originally anticipated. And there, there were a few players that I wanted to watch and ended up not liking very much. So <laughs> made, made my decision a little bit easier. But yeah, so a lot of tape. Obviously, when you get down into you know the 200s, you're not watching tons and tons of tape. Some of these guys are really small school players, and so sure. there's very little available. Um, so, you know, you, you, you watch two or three games, you try to get a pretty good sense of, of what they do well and what they don't. Well, I really appreciate your thoroughness in the process. It's always fun for me to to show up and uh, observe the work that you've done uh, and, and to take advantage of that. You're not just flying through these evaluations either. You're carefully grading each one of these guys. And I love your commitment to putting grades on these guys purely based on what you see on the film and not trying to get your evaluations to match up with anybody else's thoughts on these players. So always good stuff. So make sure, listeners, stay connected to Andrew on Twitter as we get closer to the draft. And he'll keep revealing a little bit more of his evaluations there as well. But uh, today is the last episode of our Positional Perspective series. Uh, we've taken a look at just about every position group on this Packers roster over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've assessed where things currently sit. And then we spent some time just dreaming together about how each position could change over the course of the next few months through free agency and the draft. And it's been a lot of fun to go through this process. And if you've missed any of those other episodes, make sure you go back and check those out. But today we are here to wrap up this series with the secondary. We're here to talk cornerbacks and we're here to talk safeties. And I think we've got a really fun show ahead of us. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get kicked off of cornerback. And when you talk about who is on the roster, obviously you're going to begin with Jair Alexander, who has turned into one of the very elite defensive backs in the entire NFL. They also still have Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, somebody I think we should really keep an eye on, and that's Stanford Samuels the third. There's mm-hmm. Kyvery Russell and Innis Gaines, who is a real person. I did not know that. I mean, all respect to him as a real person, but I, that is a name I did not recognize. I, I did not either. So um, that must have been a late season acquisition that I did not pay attention to. But um, anyways, unrestricted free agents, obviously you have Kevin King. He's sort of the highlight of, of that uh, cornerback free agent class. And um, he's on or unexpected to be back with the yeah, Green Bay Packers unless the market really dries up. Um, you know, you feel a little bit for Kevin King, who is entering free agency, coming off of an absolutely brutal game in front of the entire league. And then uh, the Packers do have a couple of restricted free agents, that being Shannon Sullivan and Perry Nickerson. I would expect Sullivan to be back for sure as a contributor this past year. And then they have one exclusive rights free agent, and that's Kabian Ento, who is on the Herb Waters plan to be on either the IR or the practice squad for most of my adult life. (laughs) 
So uh, one thing we've done is we've always taken a look at free agency, and we don't expect the Packers to write many big checks next week when free agency opens. But if there is a position where we could see them get involved in free agency, I do think cornerback does make a ton of sense. And we're going to get into the draft in just a couple minutes here because there's a really deep class of cornerbacks that I think the Green Bay Packers should seriously consider uh, to get the opposite starter of Jair. That would be an ideal plan. Uh, In a perfect world, though, no one wants to start a rookie cornerback. And nobody wants to start a rookie cornerback opposite of Jair because of the heavy number of targets that they would probably see coming their way. So it would be really exciting and helpful to see a big addition at cornerback via free agency um, or some other creative means. And Andy Herman has advocated for trading for the Patriots' Stephon Gilmore, which would be a dream situation. And acquiring Gilmore would be an all-in move for sure for this coming year, 2021. Uh, The Packers would have one of the best, if not the best, cornerback duos in the league for that one season but you would also give yourself time to groom Gilmore's replacement for 2022 so I love that idea but I guess what's probably more likely is the Packers will probably be discount shopping Uh, you've seen the names of Patrick Peterson Richard Sherman those kind of guys but two names that I think are more likely to be considered by the Packers are Xavier Rhodes and Troy Hill Uh, Rhodes played much better in 2020 and would be a really nice number two corner. He's 30 years old, so I'm not sure how many years he's looking to sign uh, or or what that price tag would be. He is coming off a good season, uh, but he'd be a really interesting add, especially considering the connection with Jerry Gray um, on the coaching staff. But Troy Hill is another name that I don't think it's a lot of attention. Hill is the Rams corner that's played opposite of Jalen Ramsey, and he's a free agent. And I'm sure the Rams would love to have him back. He's a solid contributor, a reliable player for them. But L.A. is always having to make some hard financial decisions because they do weird things with their money and with their draft picks and with their planning. Um, but Hill was a quality starter last year and has been for a couple seasons. And he's he's got some inside-outside versatility, and so that's a nice additional uh, thing that he brings to your team. He gives you that flexibility. Again, it's hard to figure out what his value is going to be on the open market, uh, but I think Joe Barry could really appreciate having a corner who knows the scheme and who could essentially have the same role uh, just playing opposite Jair instead of Ramsey. Uh, The Packers could also look at guys like Malcolm Butler, Janoris Jenkins. Um, I know the Lions cut their corner today, the the nickel uh, Coleman and some other guys who could be on the uh, free agent market because they're cap casualties and they won't count against the compensatory pick formula either, which is really, really nice. So the bottom line is there are going to be a lot of options on the open market. Uh, It's a glaring hole on this roster right now if Kevin King is not retained. So it will be interesting to see if Brian Gutekunst goes that route or if he does wait and goes all in on a rookie in the draft. Yeah, I try not to think about Stefan Gilmore too much because that is almost too enticing. Yes. It's exciting. <laughs> and and somebody point somebody had pointed out on Twitter, and I, I apologize because I can't remember exactly who it was, that essentially you could swap out Preston Smith's salary for Stefan Gilmore. So the idea would be, you know, would the Patriots be interested in, in basically getting Preston Smith and some draft pick compensation back in return? Yeah. And, you know, would the Packers be willing to, to swing that kind of deal and I mean, it would be interesting. I don't yeah. know. They they have so many other things that they need to do just to get under the cap right now right. that I don't know where that is on the priority list. But certainly, um, 
it would be incredibly interesting. I just don't know why New England would be interested in getting rid of Gilmore at this point. But It's super weird that they just tend to kind of move these guys at the last stage of their contract, no matter how well they're playing. But it's a, it's a Patriot thing they do. They collect those picks, and then they historically just keep winning. But we haven't seen that as of recent, yeah. I guess. Well, anyways, uh, as you said, we're going to turn our attention to the draft. And I am going to talk about Paulson Adebo um, from Stanford, who is going to end up being the guy that people are going to link me with in this draft class because <laughs> I have him rated very high and most other people do not. So here's <laughs> here's what I had to say. Uh, Debo has really good length and physical tools, super oily hips. And, and you know, that's something that is so crucial for these man-to-man corners and, and something I cannot overstate. He's really sticky in man coverage. He can play press, but you really start to see his physical gifts and off. He, I think he's super intelligent in zone. He's rarely in the wrong position. He passes players off well and he breaks on the ball. He really plays with a it's my ball attitude. And, you know, he's solid tackling wide receivers after the catch. There certainly are some ugly reps coming up to tackle running backs. I don't think you're always wanting to pay cornerbacks to be really good tacklers, but uh, that's a whole different conversation. So I know I am going to get roasted for being as high as I am on Adebo because he is one of my top three cornerbacks in this draft class. And here's my rationale. He was absolutely amazing in 2018. Most people thought he was going to be like that next superstar cornerback prospect, like the next Jalen Ramsey. But then he looks very different in 2019. He gets shut down for an undisclosed injury. And I am confident that's why he was really struggling in 2019. People will point to that Central Florida game where Gabriel Davis, now with the Buffalo Bills, absolutely torched him. And I just didn't think he looked right in that game. Am I making a conclusion? Or like, am I drawing conclusions here? Sure. Absolutely. But then he decides he's going to return for school, to school in 2020, and he's going to put that out of people's memory. But then COVID happens. He opts out. He never gets the chance to get any retribution for that 2019 tape. And if I'm right that it was an injury keeping him down in 2019, somebody is going to get a very, very special pro- prospect. And here's the other thing. He's probably going to run a 4 5 and people are going to say he's slow. But watch his 2018 tape. He's so smooth in his backpedal and transitioning. You just don't see hips like him on a 6-1 player. I'm guessing he's probably going to end up going in the third or fourth round. But I am telling you, this is a first-round value. And if he is available when the Packers are up at 62, I would absolutely sprint that card in. It is fun to hear you talk about a player that you love so much. And I knew, based on talking with you just off the podcast that we were both going to like Adebo quite a bit. You ended up liking him even more than I did. Uh, So you're all in on Adebo and it's exciting stuff. I really do think, I don't know that the league's going to take him in the second. So to me, man, if he were available there in the third, you floated that first round value. And I think that that is the ceiling. Obviously there's risk. Um, but when you get down into those late day two, early day three picks, you're swinging for the fences. And we've seen the Packers do that over the years. They kind of stop taking safe guys around that fourth, fifth round, and they just start swinging the bat at guys with athletic traits. 
And I think that this could be a home run kind of a player who could be an impact player for your team for a long time. So save that name. Uh, watch for his RAS score and see if he's going to end up on the Packers board. <laughs> That's how we know this works. But for me, the guy I'm going to talk about is someone that I also really like a lot, and that's uh, Afitu Melifanu from Syracuse. And he's six foot two, he's 210 pounds, and he is, in fact, the brother of Obi Melifanu, the uber athletic safety that was drafted by the Raiders a few years ago. Afitu, like his brother, is a toolsy prospect with all kinds of athleticism and length. He really excels in zone coverage. He's very effective as a tackler, and he's going to win at the catch point with physicality. It really is rare to find a player with the length and smooth athleticism that Melifanu possesses. He has all the tools you need and just needs to grow in his consistency and with some technique. And I think a lot of people, this is the kind of the thing when I saw the Melifanu name, I think a lot of people are going to be scared off a little bit because his brother was kind of a bust. You don't want to label anybody, but I think that's kind of where that sits with him right now. If you remember, Obi was kind of an awkward tweener prospect. He was 6'4", 225 pounds, and he was super long and maybe a little heavy for safety, but not a linebacker either. And so you fell in love with the athlete, the traits, or at least the NFL did. But Obi never really had a natural position for the NFL, and the Raiders didn't really help him find that creative role either. Uh, but Afitu is totally different to me because he's got a natural, almost ideal build for an outside cornerback. He looks like he's made to play that boundary defender. And so if the Packers go a different direction in the first round, maybe offensive line or receiver or something like that, I'd be pretty excited if they called Melifonu's name at 62 there in the second round. Yeah, I think he's a super intriguing prospect. We always talk like don't don't scout the front of the jersey, meaning like the don't team, assume yeah, yeah. just because all Jeff Tedford quarterbacks aren't any good that Aaron Rodgers can't be good in the NFL, right? right? Or or you know, don't say well all Ohio State quarterbacks are bad, so Justin Fields has to be bad. But also it's important not to scout the last name. Yeah. And and so we know Eli Manning wasn't the prospect Peyton Manning was. Uh, Derek Carr had a better pro career than David Carr did. It mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that his brother wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, but we we need to ignore that part. Uh, Melifonu is really really intriguing. I have both the Syracuse corners rated pretty highly, mm-hmm. and I just love his physicality, the size, speed. You don't want him playing off like I was talking with yeah. Adibo because his his hips aren't that. Um, but man, from like a, a really fun cover three or a, yeah. a press man corner, I think yeah. he's got the skills to do a lot of that. And, and opposite of Jair, that would be pretty fun. It would be really, really fun. And sometimes I, one thing that Andrews mentioned is I like to watch interviews of the players. And you can tell from his interviews that he's just kind of got that dog mentality. He's there to win. He's kind of about his business. And if you remember interviews with his brother, it's been a while, but he's kind of a charismatic here to, you know, be the life of the party kind of guy in his interviews. Just really, you know, fun guy. It just feels like there's a different focus uh, to Afitu. So I thought, I mean, there's that's, you know, I'm drawing conclusions and those kinds of things. But interesting on him, his his nickname is Iffy, 
which is troublesome to me because I, as a corner, I want my corner to be more than iffy. But still, as we learn these names that are a little bit difficult to pronounce, it is hard to shorten them to things uh, like iffy. So iffy Melifonu to the Packers at 62 would be okay with us here on the Packaday podcast on Fridays. But uh, we're going to move over to the safety position. And the safety position is a group that the Packers they have to feel pretty good about. The starters, of course, are Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. These two played really, really well in 2020. Amos was rock solid. Savage looks like he's an ascending star. Uh, This is a great duo, and those of us who've been watching the Packers for a while appreciate how nice it is to have this much talent at safety. We lived through the days of MD Jennings, Jerron McMillian, Ha-ha Clinton Dix, Demarius Randall. There were some dark days at the safety position, but it certainly feels like the Packers have finally found their way at the safety position. But beyond Amos and Savage, there are some pretty big question marks as far as depth with this group. Raven Green is a restricted free agent and isn't a guarantee to be back. And then the Packers have a really fun pair of second-year players in Henry Black and Vernon Scott, who both show that they deserve that shot and I think are ascending players, but they're still very unproven guys. Uh, But assuming we do get to see a preseason in 2021, uh, I'm very much looking forward to a preseason, and I don't know if I've ever said that uh, before, but there are two players that I would really be watching because I think that they are ascending for this team would be fun to watch yes yeah, so taking a look across the nfl and who might be available at the safety position justin simmons from the broncos was the big name but he did get the franchise tag for the second year in a row this week anthony harris green jackson ricardo allen trey boston kenny vaccaro sean williams jakiski tart uh duran Harmon, all available by the way funny that anthony harris is a free agent way to go vikings letting him go for nothing yeah. Uh, However, there are two safeties I'd be really intrigued by, and these are for very different reasons. But the first one, I was actually uh, on Sunday's podcast with Gage Bridgeford, and I mentioned LaMarcus Joyner from the Las Vegas Raiders. He he has not lived up to the big contract he signed after some really productive years with the Rams. And the Raiders cut him this week. But Joyner brings a lot of versatility. He can play both safety and slot corner. Just don't make him a full-time slot corner like the Raiders did because he will not play well. The the Packers have really struggled to find a third safety, and Joyner could really excel in that role. And another factor is Joe Barry was coaching linebackers when Joyner was on the Rams for the 2017 and 18 season. So There's a lot of familiarity between the two. Joyner is the type of player who could allow Adrian Amos to play in the box more or maybe give Darnell Savage the freedom to roam the field. So the versatility of those three would be incredibly fun, give the Packers some insurance if either Amos or Savage had to miss any time. The second player I wanted to talk about is Malik Hooker. He was the 15th overall pick in the draft just four years ago, but his career got off Um, or while it got off to a fantastic start, it really has fizzled as of late, and I don't know that there's going to be a huge market for him, but if you could get a player of his caliber on a one-year prove-it deal, maybe even something like a veteran minimum, he would really, really intrigue me as a third safety. Yeah, you absolutely always are willing to go back and players who are that highly touted as prospects and try to figure out if maybe your team has a better plan for them or he just can stay more healthy and consistent with your team. So Malik Hooker, interesting prospect for sure. Um, 
the draft is where I think we could see the Packers add some safety depth and maybe a little bit earlier than a lot of people think. Uh, with Savage having the ability to drop down and play the slot and be closer to the ball, I think another player with true free safety skills could intrigue the Packers because of the versatility it would give to the defense as a whole. And so enter Richie Grant, the safety from UCF. Uh, Grant is six foot tall, just shy of 200 pounds. And he really is a free safety with center field abilities. He finds the ball in the air and he arrives with good speed. And when he gets there, he takes advantage of his opportunities. He's a ball hawk with good hands. And the other thing you like with Grant is you'll never see him take a playoff. His motor runs hot all the time. The biggest gripe I had with Grant is that he will give up a big play here and there because he's trying to make a play. Uh, But overall, I was really impressed with Grant. And the other bummer is he's almost 24 years old. Uh, So that's a strike against him. If you're the Packers, uh, we typically see them target younger players, especially early in the draft. But I'd be a big fan of taking him on day two. Yeah, I was really, really impressed with Grant at the Senior Bowl where he just stepped up and he played some true cornerback. Not because that's where you want him as a future position, but because he was asked to. And that's the type of competitor he is. And he actually did incredibly well. And so to hear Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, talk about Richie Grant, he was just ranting and raving about how great it was that, you know, he was willing to do that. And um, they were a little short at corners. So he just took some reps there. And that that's the kind of competitor he is. So I love that. Uh, I'm going to go in a little bit different direction. And my guy is Hamsa Nazra Ladeen. From Florida State. I nailed it first time, man. Well done. He is a hyper-athletic, versatile defender. I saw him play some single high safety on tape. He played some linebacker. He played some slot. He's got great speed and hitting ability. Really instinctive against the run. Maybe a little less instinctive in zone coverage. There, There were some reps where he was a touch late breaking the ball and it resulted in completions. But he could be a hybrid linebacker or a box safety at the next level. And I think Hamsa is a perfect Raven Green replacement. I think he could be in the mold of Jeremy Chin or Kyle Duggar. And one of the things I regretted most about last year's draft evaluation was talking myself out of rating those two players incredibly high because I got caught caught up in consensus. That's why I'm not like <laughs> lowering my pulse in a Debo grade either. Um, so along with USC's Tolona... Hufanga, I think there's a chance we could see a repeat of Chin and Duggar with very similar prospects. So those are two guys I like a lot. I like Hufanga actually significantly better. I have him as my top safety. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> yes. But I have Nazar Ladine really high as well. So I, I don't I don't know where either of those two are going to end up going, but I think they're two really, really solid prospects for the Packers. So this is interesting because cornerback and safety are going to be I think positions that the Packers will consider and safety if they do view Darnell Savage as someone who can drop down a little bit more and give them some help at slot or star or whatever you want to call it. But it's interesting. We've made it through this entire conversation, Andrew, and we haven't brought up Asante Samuel Jr. We haven't talked about Greg Newsom. We haven't talked about Elijah Molden or uh, Merig or the safety Hufunga. I guess you mentioned Hufunga at the end there, but we haven't gotten into these guys. So the listeners can be sure that we will be coming back to these guys as we get closer and closer because these are names that are going to be highly connected with the Packers because these are positions where the Packers need an infusion of talent. And so we're excited. Uh, We can't cover them all today, uh, but it's an exciting, exciting position to need players at because there's so much depth uh, 
uh, amongst these secondary positions. So it's been a lot of fun to cover him here. We'll continue to do so. Uh, but Andrew's also doing a lot of good work over at Game on Wisconsin. He's finished up uh, his film evaluations, but he's still cranking out some good content over there. So, Andrew, give us a little bit of a spin on what you've got coming out over at Game on Wisconsin. Yeah, so this week I had my draft evaluation for Hunter Long, the tight end from Boston College, who, by the way, is your dude. I do you, like Hunter you, Long. When, I do. When we talked about tight ends during the positional prospectus, uh, you you had mentioned Hunter Long, and and I I got to take a little bit longer look at him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I really love him as a potential you know Mercedes Lewis replacement. Okay, I, I yeah. think you know it it depends. Hopefully Mercedes is back and we don't need to worry about it. But I, I thought he had a really intriguing blocking skill set. So um, I will continue that. I'm, I'm doing the all of the tight ends as, as we progress. I don't want to spoil it, and people need to go find your work, so I don't want to like ask you to give away too much. But where would you feel comfortable with Hunter Long being taken in the draft? Just because of his sort of weird skill set, I think he's like a third, fourth round pick. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, I, I was... he's not that dynamic like seam buster yeah. um, that the the – like consensus top three guys are. And I think Tommy Tremble ends up going a little bit higher. Okay. Yeah. Um, even though people need to stop talking about Tommy Tremble as this elite blocking prospect, because every time they post a video, if you watch it, he's blocking safeties. So <laughs> like he's, yeah. he's, he's feisty. He's not, don't, in line, don't get me wrong. He's just, you don't want him in line. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe no, as H back. I was curious with Hunter Long just because I think he is capped in his athleticism, and I think he's best served as kind of your tight end, too, who can do everything really well and maybe not one thing in any kind of, like, elite way. Um, so I think you're right. It's hard to take that player earlier than, like, day four for, or day four. There's no day four. That'd be fun, though. <laughs> day The round, round four on day three just because you're looking at kind of a, a roster – role for him uh, more than maybe what you hope is a starter but i'll definitely be looking up your work on hunter long uh, and seeing what you have to say about that guy yeah but that is all the time that we have for today this has been the pack of day podcast you can find kyle on twitter at packer underscore pundit and you can find me at andrew mertig remember to also follow at pack of day podcast please subscribe and rate the podcast feel like what we're doing you can get to kyle and myself every single friday and we are going to be back next week with more off-season coverage thanks for listening And as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.